the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Please turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 27. The message is part of our ongoing series entitled, Waiting, Always Trusting, Expecting Refinement. Spiritual Refinement. And, and, and the acronym WATER is represented by those letters. Expecting Refinement. The title of the message is Spirit Refined Prayer. Spirit Refined Prayer. No discussion of spiritual refinement can occur without touching on the subject of prayer. Now, listen, this is not a sermon on how to pray. There's plenty of resources and sermons that will teach us how to pray. I will touch on certain aspects on how to pray, but this message is mostly uh, designed to give us the characteristics of what a spirit-refined prayer really looks like. Let's read Romans eight twenty-two to 27. Paul writes, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. George Bernard Shaw, the Irish playwright, said, Common people do not pray. They just beg. Now, I'm pretty sure that wasn't a quote based on a Christian perspective. But there's a hint of truth in that statement, if we applied it to how we as Christians sometimes or even often pray. 
As Christians, we may be common people, but our prayers must be uncommon. We're not called to beg God. Children don't beg to their father. But oftentimes, our prayer turns to nothing more than a series of engagement and conversation with God in which the main objective is to get something from God uh, in order for us to, to live uh, satisfying lives, for us to, to have our needs met and uh, to make life easy, comfortable, and safe. Now, let me be clear, there's nothing wrong with praying for such things. But if it becomes the main object of our praying, this can be a sign of spiritual poverty. And they often lead to pleading our case to God for the things He never really promised or wills for us to have. You know, that's, that's one of the ironies of the Christian faith. That's one of those ironies of Christian spirituality. That those who focus their praying on health and wealth and material prosperity are often regarded in the Bible as spiritually poor. I can think of the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus, who had everything that life has to offer, and yet when Jesus said to him, go and sell everything and follow me, the rich young ruler, the Bible says, left with a great deal of sadness in his heart. I'm also reminded of the, the story that Jesus told about this rich man and, and Lazarus. Just to name a few instances in the Bible. But Christian praying, Christian prayers should be much more than just that. Now here's a word that I want to leave everybody this morning. As followers of Jesus, all of our prayers are based on our eternal hope. That's what Christian praying is all about. It's based on the fact that we have an eternal hope. We don't focus our prayers so much on what's going on around us. Not even on the things that are going on in the inside of us. Our prayers, whether they are devotional prayers, meaning prayers for ourselves, or supplications or intercessions, prayers that involve us uh, pleading for the case of other people, whether our prayers are external or internal, all Christian praying is based on our eternal hope. And like I said, all of Christian praying is based on a future hope. Not so much what's going on on the outside or what's going on in the inside, but what is in store for us. Believe me, if we center our praying on just the things that are going on on the outside, on what's happening on the outside and what's going on on the inside, our prayers will be at best situational. Our praying should not be nothing more than prayers offered because circumstances warrants them. If we center our praying simply on the things that are going on on, 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 on the environment or what, what's going on on the outside or what's, what we're struggling with on the inside, 
our prayers will not just be situational, they're going to be spontaneous. In other words, we just pray because, uh, because the spur of the moment requires it. I had a professor in college that gives us pop quizzes all the time. And you know what pop quizzes do? They invoke pop praying. And that's, that's kind of what our prayers are going to be if we center on really what's going on inside and out. If, if we focus our prayer on the things that are on the outside or on the inside, our prayers will be nothing more than supplemental praying. After we've done everything we can do in our own power, we then go to God and pray. Now listen, again, let me say, there's nothing inherently wrong with situational praying. I do that, you do that, we all do that. There's nothing wrong with spontaneous praying. There are times when we have to pray spontaneously. And there's nothing wrong with supplemental praying. There's nothing wrong with that. But prayer refined by the Spirit should not simply be situational. They should be sacrificial. Spirit refined prayer should not be spontaneous. spontaneous. They should be sacred. Meaning we prepare for praying. We set our hearts on praying. We plan our praying. Spirit-refined praying is not supplemental. It's a supernaturally infused encounter with God. So there it is. Spirit-refined prayers are sacrificial, they're sacred, and they're supernatural. Now, let's take a look at how these three pillars characterizes spirit-refined praying. First of all, spirit-refined praying is sacrificial because it is centered on kingdom priorities. Centered on kingdom priorities. Look at uh, verses 22 to 23. Paul says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Underline the word, we know. Okay, that's important. Spirit-refined prayers are sacrificial prayers because it understands and accepts that we live in a fallen world and we ourselves are fallen people. And sacrifice is really part of the life process. This knowledge should inform the way we pray and it should strengthen our hope for eternity. Again, all Christian praying is based on our eternal hope. We know. We know the creation is groaning. The word here is uh, sustenazo, which means the entire creation, all of creation, okay, in unison are laboring in pain. Like a, like a woman who was about to give birth to a baby. The entire creation, the animal kingdom, is groaning, the plant kingdom is groaning, the entire cosmos is groaning, okay? This climate situation that we're so worried about, that's part of the, the groaning of this whole creation. And of course, the Bible says all humanity is groaning, including those who follow Jesus. In verse 23, Paul says, not only is our creation groaning, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body. So what's the point of all of this? If our praying cannot be directed towards eternity, 
it will be focused on what's going on right here and right now, what's going on on the outside, you know, the disasters, the calamities, the wars, the catastrophes, instead of what is coming. And there's something to be said about our eternal hope when it comes to how we frame our praying. You know, uh, this, this corona pandemic, if you're a Christian, this shouldn't surprise you. In fact, we expect it, don't we? But you know, uh, that's not what, what uh, the news outlets would have us know, okay? I mean, I was watching the news the other day, and it's just uh, it's amazing to me how they frame this pandemic with their headlines. One headline says, this pandemic is something that the world has not seen, seen since the Spanish flu pandemic of 1917 over a hundred years ago. And that's designed to strike fear and uncertainty in a lot of people. But nobody even bothered to ask, what has happened in the last 102 years? Let me tell you what has happened in the last 102 years. We had two world wars that killed millions of people. Between Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, Mao, and Pol Pot, millions died under their tyranny and dictatorial uh, evil. Millions of people died. Not to mention countless conflicts between nations in the last 100 years. Not to mention countless revolutions and civil wars that slaughtered millions of people. Natural disasters in the last 100 years. We have had the greatest hurricane ever recorded in the last 100 years. We just had it a few years ago. And what about viruses? What about Ebola? What about SARS? Loved ones, not much have changed in the last 100 years. Sure, we have better ways of managing these things. But loved ones, don't be surprised that we still have them. Don't be surprised that we will continue to have them. If you think humanity can stop the deterioration of this creation, like some of our Extreme environmentalists and extreme sociologists tend to let us believe. If you think we can reverse this thing, think again. And I'm not knocking down environmental efforts. I do my part, you do your part. I'd like this environment to be a place where we, people can live properly. I'm not knocking their efforts. I'm not knocking the efforts of sociologists who tries to make life better for everybody. I'm not knocking that down. But you know what? As a Christian... Let me tell you, from our perspective, the hope of creation rests only on God's restoration of all things one day. That's the hope of our future. Our prayer is centered on the hope that God will one day restore everything, not destroy it. Listen, don't listen to anyone who says, oh, this world will be destroyed by this or by that. Not at all. God says, I created this world, this whole creation, and I created it good. And you know what? God is not going to destroy His creation. He's going to restore it. That's what the Bible teaches. And that knowledge impacts the way we pray. Our upward and outward praying, our supplication praying should be focused on how God can use us to spread, to spread the message of the kingdom 
of God. You know, Jesus prayed, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Now listen, prayer is a call to respond to the Spirit in our situation. It is not a call for us to go to the Spirit and get involved so much in our situation. There's a big difference. And we will find out as followers of Jesus. Our call is to respond to the Spirit in any and every situation. Not so much to call on the Spirit to do something with the situation. In, 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 in some cases, the Spirit helps us, removes the situation. But for the most part, it's not about getting Him to remove us from that situation but for us to respond to what he's saying in the midst of that circumstance. The Spirit's work is to take us through our circumstances, not to take us out of them. I'm sorry, that's the Christian life. How do we pray knowing that this creation is groaning? How do we pray during this pandemic, for instance? Have you ever asked that question? How should I be praying during this very you know, trying times of this, this pandemic. Knowing that our world is fallen, listen very carefully, I want to explain this so I don't get misunderstood. Don't just pray for this pandemic to be over. I didn't say you shouldn't pray that this pandemic will go away. I didn't say that. I said don't just pray for this to be over. Instead, pray that God will open the opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed during this pandemic. Secondly, pray not just only for comfort. Again, I didn't say don't pray for comfort, but don't just pray for comfort, but pray for conviction to come to people. Number three, let's not just pray for encouragement, but pray for evangelism. I'm praying for a harvest of souls as soon as this pandemic is over. I'm praying for a harvest of people who will come to know Jesus through this pandemic. How about praying for those Christians who are in the front lines helping people? Let's pray for those. We can't do anything. Our hands are tied. We can't even go out. But there are people. There are followers of Jesus in the medical field. There are followers of Jesus in, in, in every aspect of, 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 of the, the government that's involved in getting this thing resolved and getting this thing uh, taken care of. Why don't we pray for those who are in the front lines and, and let's pray that God will empower them with the Holy Spirit so they can, in fact, share the message of the kingdom of God to those who are suffering. That's how we ought to be praying, knowing that our world is broken. Our prayer must reflect those things, our petition must center on how God can advance His kingdom in the midst of our situation, knowing full well and accepting the reality that this creation is groaning. That's dealing with the outside circumstances. What about us on the inside? How should we be praying for ourselves? Okay? What about our internal issues? 
How do we pray for ourselves? In verse 23, again, Paul says, Not only is creation groaning, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of our sonship, the redemption of our bodies. As we understand and accept that creation is groaning, we also understand and accept that we are also groaning and waiting for our redemption to be complete. Knowing that will affect the way we pray. Amen? It says we have the first fruits of the Spirit. What does it mean? The term first fruits in the Bible refers to that first portion of what we have. The, the first offering a farmer gives after harvesting his crops. In this case, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the deposit, the down payment, the first fruits from God himself guaranteeing our future adoption. Our adoption is not yet complete. Obviously, we're still here on earth. But we are already certain and secured of its completion. So while we're here on earth, we still groan. Amen? Amen? Everybody's still groan. Creation is groaning, and we are groaning. We still suffer in the body. We still suffer in our mind. We still suffer in our hearts. So knowing that our adoption is guaranteed but not complete, we pray in the hope of the future. We know what the outcome is. So our prayers reflect that longing and that optimism. I had a friend who lived in Texas, and uh, he was a victim of a, one of those tornadoes, okay? Wiped out his entire house, destroyed his entire, entire house. But he had a tornado insurance, right? So he called the insurance company, and the insurance company says, well, you have your certificate that you are insured, so you got to wait a few months, and we will build you a new house. So that settles it for him. But in the meantime, the insurance company says you have to live in a shelter. And in that shelter, man, there's a lot of other people that you have to share with. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of garbage. Everything stinks. And he was telling me, you know, those, those months, weeks and months that he had to wait was really very grueling. But knowing that he has a house getting ready to be built, he knows that one day he's going to open that door and he will have his restored house. In the meantime, he said, I volunteered at the shelter. I started feeding uh, some of the people there. I started working towards getting that situation a lot better. That's what we should be. That's the kind of attitude we should have when it comes to, the, to this world and when it comes to our, our struggles in the inside. You know, there's an old saying that if, if, if life throws you a lemon, what do you do? You make a lemonade out of it. That's the kind of thing. We struggle with sickness still, amen? We struggle with pain. We struggle, struggle with personal vices, besetting sins. What do we do in the meantime? Sure, we pray for God to give us comfort. Sure, we pray for healing. Sure, we pray for victory over our struggles. But knowing that our struggle, struggles are real, let's pray that God will use our struggles to advance His kingdom. That's an opportunity. This was vividly articulated by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 1, 12 
to 14, he said these words. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what has happened to him, he was imprisoned, he was brutalized, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was done all of that, and he was imprisoned. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become, become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So spirit-refined prayers, praying sacrificially because they are centered on kingdom priorities. Not on relief, not so much on comfort, not so much on deliverance from the situation. And there's nothing wrong with praying that way. But we pray that the gospel will be advanced. You know, when you keep on praying for your own personal comfort and all of these things, they're just a medical injection, so to speak. They're not the cure. The cure is to make sure that the word of God is spread through the struggle struggles that we go through in life. Now, there's a second pillar that characterizes spirit-refined prayer, and that is, it is committed to the king's promise. It is committed to the king's promise. Look at verses 24 and 25 in our text. For in this hope, we were saved, speaking of our future adoption. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Lapson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. As a listener-supported ministry, they are grateful for your tax-deductible donations at livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.